Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the one and only podcast hosted by two trans women where we discuss internet trends, play silly little games, and give you the hottest chronically online takes. This is T-Girl E-Girls. And today, if you are watching our podcast, you might notice something a little bit different about Kala and I. What? No, you're right. We were right. This is actually exactly how we roll out of bed. Are you not Betty? Who are you? Who are you? My name is Betty or Bethany Ann Rice, if you're nasty. And I am an actress, a drag performer today, I guess. Gag. Um, and a aspiring, you know, um, slut on the corner. Yes. And hi, I'm Kella. I'm beautiful. I'm talented. I'm a gorgeous woman. And a liar. Lovely, (laughs) cute, sweet, you know, just lots of positive things. Yes. And we are here today to bring you a very special episode of Tea Girl Eat Girls Mm -hmm. where we discuss drag. Drag. Which we've already mentioned in uh, past episodes. Yeah. Is cringe. Yes, it is cringe that we do this. Um, at the same time, I love drag. I really? Love it so much. Really? Yeah, I love it. So aren't you the one telling me you're going to quit every two days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to quit every time I put it on. Every The moment I sat down in the chair to put this on, I wanted to quit drag. No, truly the first thing I texted Kala this morning when we were both getting ready to record today was... Uh, Mentally preparing myself to do drag. Absolutely. (laughs) Mentally preparing. Because you literally, if you are a drag performer, you know that feeling when you're like, I have to put it on. Yeah. You just, you sit there in front of your vanity and you're like, I have to put this on today. Really. And the thing for me is like, I love getting ready. I love doing makeup. I love doing my hair. Like, it's fun for me. I don't like having stuff to do. You know? No. Like, let me take my time. Let me take forever to get ready. Let me go out and have fun in drag. But the moment it's like work, you know, it's like, oh, you have a gig. You got to be there on time. I'm like, I hate this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. So you're a hobbyist is what I'm hearing. Or I just have um, pathological demand avoidance because I'm autistic. I'm not sure which that, one it's it is. It's definitely the second one. Yeah, it's probably. definitely the second one. Because that she said, she is a nightlife girly. She I am. Perform. That said, I am a nightlife girly. I yeah. do perform. I do enjoy drag genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um just a tough industry. If you don't enjoy drag, you would never actually get up oh at God, like yeah. nine in the morning and put this on. Yeah. Willingly. Truthfully. We'll, we'll get into the conversation in a bit, Betty. We'll break it down. We'll get into sort of like the who's it, does it, what's it. And how does drag career. relate to being chronically online? And how does drag relate to being chronically online? Which is where our drag journey started, yes. as our listeners learned last week. Um, but before we get into that, we also promised our listeners last week that we would continue on our little journey of letting everybody know who our Pokemon starters were and what that says about the audience if you chose the same one as us. Yes. Well, this one is really fun because we are now moving on to the Johto region. Yes. You know what? This is actually the only Pokemon generation that I have never played an original game of. Really? You only played Heart, Gold, Soul, Silver? No, I didn't even play that. Oh, I literally you, never you've played never the played Gen two. The so only you, sh- you don't even get to say you never even picked a starter. Well, that is true. The only way that I could like really play at that time was like through like Smogon or like who my team would have been. So I can tell you my starter. She's a real been. nerd because she knows what Smogon is. Well, duh. Come on. I actually want to compete. We'll get into that too. I want to <laughs> compete in Pokemon championships someday. It'd be fun. It would be fun. Except you need to train your Pokemon because I whooped your ass the other day. <laughs> What was your Johto starter, Betty? <laughs> well, we can say it at the same time because it's okay. the same. On okay. three. One, two, three. Chikorita. Chikorita. 
and Chikorita is a doll. Yeah, she's a doll. She's a doll. If you didn't pick Chikorita in Gen 2, like, you are not a doll. Also, her name sounds like Chiquitita. And yeah, for me, the... I was like, she's so cute. She is a Chiquitita. I also, like, loved her in the anime, her and Bayleaf. Because like, the... yeah. they literally have to whip their hair to, like, do razor leaf. Okay, I will say And I'm say like, that's this. drag. I will say this. She is serving. She's cute. She is Dino Garden-esque. Yes. You know? Stats-wise, Smogon... Garbage. Leave her alone. Leave her Garbage. alone. Garbage. I really hate that because, like, not all Pokemon need to be powerful. Well, they at least need to be useful. Well, Meganium's use is pretty. Yeah, she's just serving. She's like, I'm here to be very aesthetic. What I'm saying is, I take her to level 36 and then immediately box her. The moment she evolves, I'm like, poor thing. You're gorge. You know, some people Bye. don't like that Meganium's design is like a little too like different from Bayleaf oh, and Chikorita. Because they lose the leaf and yeah. just become the flower. And I'm like, y'all, it's literally supposed to be like a plant. Blooming. Like going yeah. through, like blooming. And then also the antenna on Meganium's head are supposed to be, what are those things on plants? The, the, the reproductive organs. Oh, like a stem? No, not stem. It's called something else. I'm not a botanist, so... Neither one of us are, apparently. Yeah, um, I had a point with this, and it is, it is gone. But it's, like, it's reproductive organs. It's the stuff that, oh. like, shoots out the pollen. Okay, okay, That's okay. what it's supposed to so be. So she is, like, fully developed, is what you're saying. She's a woman. She's a woman. Got it. Okay. So, if you picked Cyndaquil, mm-hmm. congratulations, faggot. Congratulations, homosexual. Okay, I do have to say, Cyndaquil is adorable. Very since, cute. Since Gen 2, it's really grown on me. Um, Hasui and Typhlosion also. That's a stoner gay. That's a stoner gay. That That is, he is lighting up the club. Better yet, he is a stoner gay from the Bay Area. A hundred percent. And he knows like a really cool barista. At a oh, he lives shop. in Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, oh, like, And he's very annoying. Really annoying. But I still really like to hang out with him. Would I still like suck him off? Probably. <laughs> Not you sucking off Typhlosion. <laughs> what well, you know what? ma'am a fire a fire crash. okay well what about what about totodile because to me typically the water starters are like very girly pop in yes. my mind and but totodile is very not no totodile is definitely the most mask coated yeah. of this i'm going to go into a personal story here though okay i actually loved totodile because mm. of the pokemon anime because ash's totodile was always tap dancing and he was always silly and that totodile has adhd Oh yeah, well, so do you. Maybe that's why you related. And yeah. I was like, I was like, I can't sit still either, Totodile. I'm over here like restless legs and drawing. And I was a tap dancer um, when I was a kid. So I kind of feel like Totodile and Feraligator were like Nintendo and Game Freak attempting to make the water starter kind of like the Charizard of that gen. Yeah, and they didn't. Succeed. And it didn't work. It did and succeed. so every subsequent gen, the fire starter is just the boy one. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, you drive through the McDonald's drive-thru, and they're like, you want a boy toy or a girl toy? And like, give me the Charizard. Give me Charizard. Yeah. Give me the Firestarter. And, oh, you want the non-binary toy? Okay, well, here's Chikorita. That's our first game for the, for the pod today. We got to discuss what your Johto starter says about you. Yes. And next week, we will get into Hoenn, which you will have lots of thoughts and opinions on, because you are a, a Hoenn girly. And she's choking. You really am choking on air right now. She inhaled and she said, and then her, her body said, oxygen, no thank you. Um, 
Well, I hope you all loved the sound of my phlegmy voice just now. Oh, there, there will be certain men online who will love the sound of your not voice us, choking. Not us ASMRing this. Um, yeah, which hoe are we going to be in next week? What were you saying? Hoe in. Right, that's what I asked. Well, I, I want I want to be the hoe that somebody's inside of. Betty is single. <laughs> well, like, we have a not go a single podcast episode without mentioning that I'm single until it's until it's until changed. It has changed. Yeah, until it's changed. Um, okay. So if you're listening and you want to date me, yeah, you know where to find me. Slide into the DMs as we keep mentioning. Yeah, and I'm about to be like in bed, like constantly. So not the home. Oh, in bed. I'm just going to tell the listeners now. This has nothing to do with our podcast, but I'm having knee surgery very soon. I tore my meniscus doing drag yeah mm-hmm. uh performing at a club and i tore my meniscus i found out i got an mri and the uh, orthopedic surgeon was like yeah we gotta fix that Interesting. so um in a couple days they're gonna Poor be thing. going in on me um and you know stitching that thing back up surgery scares me not yeah. for me you all know what um, else i left out at the beginning of this episode what, what is that this is our Thanksgiving episode, Kala. <gasps> oh, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. A little cornucopia. I know. That's She's what, serving corn. I literally themed she... my entire outfit today based on that that notion that this episode will be coming out uh, a couple days before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving yeah. for all of you who celebrate. For everybody who celebrates Thanksgiving. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving. For and all of you who have terrible families and are staying home. I understand. And I am grateful for you listening to this podcast and i am not just kidding (laughs) i do want to get into the conversation betty about sort of like how we started in drag and Mm. why we do drag but before we get into that because i thought that was kind of fun have you had any other injuries in drag me yeah or like really embarrassing moments on stage um this is my first like injury from performing well that's not true it's kind of true Basically, so part of, um, like, my numbers, I generally will do um, some combination of a somersault and knee slide mm. as a part of my numbers. And She's got tricks. Well, th- those are the two. Those, those are the two tricks that I, I listed. <laughs> stunt <laughs> queen over stunt, here. Stunt queen! <laughs> um, uh, stunting and then hurting herself. <laughs> and basically every single time I did a knee slide like ever mm. i would bleed through all seven layers <gasps> of my tights oh my god my knees would like bleed and so on i used to host um a like two back-to-back brunch yeah like two brunch shows in a row um back when i was living in boston and literally like the second show people you could tell like what videos were from the second show and what videos were from the first show yeah because all the second show ones i had full-on red bloody knees (laughs) and they just had to walk in to see that and so that's why i started wearing a bunch of bodysuits but even then like full-length bodysuits and sometimes even then i would bleed through like Mm. the bodysuit like there's holes in some of like my costumes jesus christ i am i just throw myself on the floor i i would not call myself a performer i'm gonna be real with the audience i'm more of a bedroom queen i'm more of like a looks girl a nightlife girl hold the drink look cute for the bar I do perform. I try to perform more like burlesque things um, where I just take my clothes off because I can't do tricks. I have some pain issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get kind of self-conscious about it. I'm not going to lie. Besides the point, I haven't hurt myself seriously. And I think it's because I'm not throwing myself around, thankfully. Well, do you have an embarrassing story? But I do have an embarrassing story. So one time I was performing at Beaches and I was wearing a pair of leather chaps and just the way that I hooked them up to the outfit, they kept sliding off of me. And like, 
it was just a catastrophe, right? Like my leg is literally coming out of the inside of the chap oh while they're sliding down my hips. And so I thought to myself like, oh, I'll just, I'll just take them off, right? I'll just let them slide all the way off, do a little boop kind of moment and step out of them. Except I was wearing like rubbery textured shoes. And so they were just stuck at the bottom of my feet. You know, like when uh, you take a shit and you there's no toilet paper and there's nobody home. And so you have to like, with your pants around your knees, like, like, <laughs> to the closet to get the toilet. That was me performing at Beaches. Why don't you keep your toilet paper underneath your sink? Well, first of all, I do, okay? <laughs> That's just an image that people know. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, you were performing at beaches just fully doing the, the toilet paper yeah, walk. For, fully doing the toilet paper walk. Um, very embarrassing. I can say with dignity though, my wig has never come off during a performance. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. Congratulations. My wig, my wig does stay on. My wig has fallen off many times during a performance. You know, some, some drag artists that I know just have like... Everybody sweats differently. Some people naturally sweat a bit more on their face and head than mm-hmm. other people. Poor things. Like, it's a struggle. Me. I'm sweating right now while sitting Ooh, here in the sweating. air conditioning. Like, I'm literally, like, full-on sweat trickling down the, my this, back. This is my why... Crack. This is... <laughs> this is why every drag artist you know carries around some sort of little fan. With oh, them. yes. I mean, shout out to our sister, Hentai. She has the best... Fan it's a ever. little fan that's not a little fan. No, it's fully, it's she's like gigantic. fully carrying like basically like a box like for the video watchers. I'm like this big and it's just like fanning herself constantly. But that thing never works properly either. Like it's oh. so funny. Whenever I hold it, it like just starts turning off. And I'm um, like, what's going on? That's why I just love a, a good big a big old fan. Like a clacking fan. Yeah. I like to make noise. I like to be annoying. Although I need to like straight women at a uh, drag brunch or you're, stop. you're doing your bridal shower. Stop clacking. Stop. You're done. Stop clacking. Leave the, the clacking to the performers. <laughs> yeah. Leave it to us. please. Unless we're doing like a little clap along, clack along kind of moment. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Shut up. Let's actually get into the topic of our pod today. Let's do it. Which is bedroom queenery. That is the title yes. of this episode. Is and that the title of this episode? The I, title I, of this episode. It's now the title of this episode. Um, both Kala and I, uh, as you know, this is a podcast about internet trends and being chronically online. Both Kala and I actually have a similar um, story on how we started our drag journeys. And yes. that we both started doing drag during the midst of the beginning of the pandemic. I actually have a kind of touching story to share about it because it's very relevant to our podcast. Great. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about the beginning of Kala's drag career. So on the last podcast, I shared that part of my trans journey in my early 20s was related to a model named Andrea Pejik. Up until that point, I had never really... I was really unfamiliar with transness, with drag, with anything. And at the start of Andrea Pejik's journey... Um, she was still identifying as male and identifying as an androgynous model where she was like a skinny boy Mm -hmm. who would walk both men's and women's uh, fashion. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so cool. That's how I came to understand what androgyny and non-binariness was, which is um, how I identified all throughout college. I actually did spend one year as a trans woman in college, like where I socially transitioned, decided it was not my time, um, and was out as a non-binary person. And when I moved to Los Angeles, unfortunately, I did kind of like recede into the closet as I found community because I was very nervous and scared. We ho can be very, West Hollywood can be very like, you got to be the look. It's you got to be very the focused on this very specific type of like, um, 
mask presenting gay boy. And because I'm not from Los Angeles, I didn't really have another community outside of that. So in my mind, the only way I could make friends was like, oh, go to the gay neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But everybody behaved a certain way. And so I just felt like, oh, if I'm going to date, if I'm going to be like here and like trying to accomplish the things I'm trying to accomplish, like my non-binariness can still exist, but it has to be like simplified if that makes sense it probably doesn't because it didn't make sense to me either actually and i was deeply in the closet and really sad but i met somebody who is now actually my partner bow and arrow and they're a very thoughtful open-minded person and i came out to them uh, right before the pandemic actually we entered into the pandemic we were in a loving relationship and um i just told them like hey i actually think i might be tr more trans femme i might actually be a trans woman i want to explore that some more is that okay? Or would you still be attracted to somebody like me if I took this journey? And they, they were, thank goodness. They are still my loving partner. And I ordered a wig to try on to see what my hair would look like. The first step. Right? I was like, oh, my tea girlhood. I was like, I want to know what my hair is going to look like when it's really long. So I ordered a wig. I put it on. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. This is me. Right? But Bow and Arrow looked at it and she said, what is that? Can I try that on? <laughs> she put it on, also immediately living. And she was like, what if we did drag? And bada bing bada boom, our drag journey started together as a couple from that one wig, me coming out as a trans person, and we haven't stopped since. Wow, that is touching. Isn't it so cute? Oh my god, and romantic. It's very romantic. Oh my god, They're I such a sweetie. I know I hate to be ushy gushy about my love story online because like I feel like that can sometimes doom a relationship, but Positive examples of queer love are also needed. And that's a really touching story. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. So then, if I may further inquire, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. kind of how you're, uh, you started doing drag. That was like the, yeah. the event. Yeah. Like the event. What made you continue and like how did you, like how when you started saying, yes, I'm going to do drag, how did you like kind of establish yourself? Um, either online, in person, or both. Me and Bow and Arrow just like combined our talents and also the small friend groups we had. They wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to be a content creator. I was like, let's get online. Let's make content. We started making this little show called Monster Movie Friday where we would watch a horror movie and then review it together. And we started making a couple of friends here and there online. Bow and Arrow knew a couple of other drag artists from photography. And I decided one day, we were, we were like, in the pandemic, can't go anywhere, mm -hmm. making content, really don't have drag friends, but I was so exhilarated by being out and people wanting to know me and like wanting to be my friend online that I was like, okay, where can, where's a little group of drag queens in Los Angeles? Like, where do I find them? And I couldn't find anything. I would follow the club pages. I would follow uh, drag artists accounts, obviously, but there's not like a feature on Instagram, mm -hmm. right? And one day I just like had this idea in 2020. I was like, well, what if I just make an Instagram page called Drag Queens LA and just reshare drag artist content while mm -hmm. we're all cooped up? That went crazy well. By the time the pandemic ended and me and Bowen went out into the scene, people already knew who we were from this page. We were doing interviews with people. We were making micro content with people. We interviewed Pangina Heels like before she mm -hmm. went on... Um, the Verse the World yeah. season that she was on. So just like that little bit of content creation that we did for the drag community really spiked our online presence so that when the pandemic came down, we like had a place already. And we had to like keep fighting for it. Maybe we could get into that part of the conversation later. I feel like we kind of came out of the pandemic immediately into the LA scene and people really appreciated us and were so kind to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And what, um, like, influences online influence, like, your drag aesthetic and style? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm really inspired by, like, um, alt-girls and alt-girl fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that sounds kind of, maybe that sounds kind of stupid, but, like, Hot Topic, Spencer's, like, those kind of okay. girls. I know you were on Tumblr. Yeah, were, like, very Tumblr kind of girl. I love showgirls and burlesque type of stuff, especially for my performance costumes. Mm-hmm. And then for like actual drag artists, a couple of people that deeply inspire me, Major, they've actually performed at Freeland before. Mm-hmm. The, ugh, I was gushing because they're so talented. Um, they're G- major. They're major. Uh, Gigi Good, I really love Gigi Good's content. Crystal Method, really love Crystal Method. Violet Tchotchke's another one that I really like. Very showgirly. You know, very, very... Very showgirly, very, very skinny. Very skinny. <laughs> like a skinny little showgirl. <laughs> Um, okay, well, let's get into it with you. How did you start drag? Like, what was the spark? What led to the moment? So I would say similarly to you, I was kind of in a splace, uh, splace. What space were you in? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of in a space where I, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, where not a lot was going on for me. Mm. And so I was like, oh, let me be very introspective and explore myself a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I also started with ordering a wig. Um, and I, I spent the big money too. I didn't like go on Amazon and get like a cheap little unit. I got like a wigs and grace wig. Oh my God. If you are thinking about ordering a wig, if something's calling to you saying, I kind of want to try on a wig, you're trans and you want to be a drag queen. Anyways, continue. Which by the way, um, for our video watchers, that wigs and grace wig is the wig you're seeing on my head right now. (gasps) This is the very first wig I ever ordered in drag. That was my award today. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and so, and I styled it then, and I haven't touched it up since, and you can tell. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's part of the bit. Um, yeah, and I just was like, I needed to, I had actually just played a drag queen in a play. Oh, cool. And so, because I, like, tried to learn a little bit of, like, drag makeup and, like, wigs for that play, mm. um, to help better, like, inform my performance, I then, um... I was like, well, what if I just tried to do that for... I love going to drag shows. Yeah. I was like, right before the pandemic, I had really gotten into, like, going out in New York City. Um, oh, I forgot, because you were living in New York at the time. Yes, I was living in New York City at the time. And I would just gotten, uh, like, into going out with in New York City with a new friend who had also just started doing drag. And I, uh, like, helped her with her uh, debut um, cabaret show. This oh, Maxi cool. Paddock, by the way, in New York City. Hi, Maxi. Um, and I just, like, performed with them at their, like, debut show, which mm. was, like, February of 2020. It was Valentine's Day of 2020. Right before. Yeah, right before the pandemic. Um, and I know, imagine having your drag debut and then a month yeah. later. That <laughs> like, actually that happened night. to my drag sister, a vegetarian. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, crazy. I know, so many, so many pandemic queens. So then... Because I had just really started getting interested in that world, I was like, well, I have nothing to do. Let me order a wig and try to make it look like something. I then just kind of fell into a rabbit hole of, like, YouTube tutorials on how to style wigs, Mm. how to do drag makeup. Um, I ignored all of the sewing suggestions that came my way because I, to this day, I still don't know how to sew. Sewing is fucking hard. And, yeah, that was, like, kind of where it started. And then... In the, like, beginning of the pandemic, I ended up leaving New York City and Mm. moving uh, to Boston and was living with my parents at the time because I was an unemployed actor. 
and nothing has changed. I'm I was still like, not unemployed changed? actor. <laughs> still not unemployed actor. Life goes on. Um, but at that at that time, I was living in New York City because I was trying to pursue musical theater and mm. do like Broadway because that's what I went to school for. Not musical theater, girl. You know, tragic. And um, but it really wasn't fulfilling me. It really mm. was making me kind of hate myself more and more and more because. Musical theater, very specifically, is very gender binary. Mm. And, like, because at the time I was not out as a woman yet, I was always auditioning for, like, men. Oh, that's right. And, like, and I was, like, just so visibly femme and so visibly queer that, like, the options were so limited. Um, and it was, like, I could only play, like, fat, funny friends, essentially. Mm. Um, and... Yes. Sorry. You know, I shared this with you in the car the other day also. I moved to Los Angeles similarly to try to be an actor mm-hmm. in film. Because uh, we've already shared. We have BAs in theater. Um, and I kind of went through the same experience. Except I didn't actually audition for much because I was so dysphoric about it that I just was like, well, it's just not meant for me. Yeah, I used to wake up at three in the morning to start an unofficial non-union list outside of doors um, of like the big main audition studios in New York City. And then I would wait there from like 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. until the like union rep came up because you have to bring them the unofficial list and copy all of the names over to like their non-union list yourself because how like musical theater auditions work is that you get, you ha- they see all of the union actors first. Mm-hmm. And then if there's any time left over, they'll maybe see like the first 10 people on that non-union actor list. Oh my God. So that was the only way to do it. You had to like camp out and like do it renegade style. It was like very, very, and that's like how sick and like twisted, like the musical theater, like mind virus had infected my brain. Oh my goodness. So that I was willing to do that. And I was making myself miserable. I was sick all the time. Um, I was doing terrible auditions because mm. I was like up like all hours of the day trying to even get seen. Yeah. It was psychotic of me. So yeah. I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. And instead I'm doing drag because so, when I moved to Boston, um, I did this thing where I laid out like 10 sheets of paper and like wrote down like, what do I actually want to do with my right, life? Right, right, right. Like I was looking at like big goals and I put drag queen as one of the options because I had just started getting my interest in that. And I still had actor on the table as well, but I specifically was like leaving musical theater stuff off of the table. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I think this is making what's making me the most um, dysphoric about myself. Right. 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 And I eventually just was like, well, what can I actually work on now? Because there's no jobs in that, that, or that. Mm. Well, I can just, like, keep making my skills of drag better. And then it just so happened to be June of 2020, and my mom (laughs) had been getting really, like, close to the neighbors during the pandemic because Mm -hmm. um, she's a very, like, communal, extroverted person. And there was this thing that was happening where they would have music at 6 p.m. every night. Oh, cute. When uh, anybody in the neighborhood could, like, be out on the sidewalk and, like, socially distance, like, dance and sing together. And it was, like, a really cute... Excuse me. Thing. (laughs) And then June rolled around, and my mom was like, well, what if you got into drag? I see this, like, $75, like, rhinestone costume on Amazon. I'll buy it for you. Here's a rainbow... I'll buy this rainbow wig for you. You should just like go do a drag show. And I performed six numbers on the concrete <gasps> by myself in um, like full drag. And that was like how I started doing drag. I just like did it for like pride. And then I did it like every Sunday of June. And then I started doing it like almost every other week 
out just oh on the streets of Boston on the corner of Shamit and Hanson if you, you are a Bostonian listening to this. Baby queens are wild. Feral. Feral. Because when I started drag for that whole drag scene LA thing that I was saying, I was going to, and I'm not joking, sometimes two to three drag shows a day. I know. Every day. Like, what were we doing? Well, Because I certainly wasn't getting paid to do all that. No, were you getting paid to do six numbers? Well, I got to keep all the tips for myself. Well, slay. That is nice. Um, no, and he, I was like, honestly, I was making more tips, like, back in those days than I kind of sometimes am now, like, doing shows in oh LA. Oh my god. Los Angeles drag is simply unaffordable. They don't, nobody tips you. Nobody tips. <laughs> um, I would love to, like, dig into more about your experience as a musical theater actress and my experience as, like, a wannabe film maker, film person, um, and kind of, like, hear a little bit more about, like, what our drag journey is right now and where we're hoping it to go. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I feel like we should take a break. And play another little I game. I think we should play a game. Yeah. But the funny thing, Betty, is that I've completely forgotten what the game is. Oh, we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill. We're going to play Fuck, Mary and Kill. Yes. We are going to be playing Fuck, Mary Kill with RuPaul's Drag Race contestants. Oh, God. And I have really strong thoughts about this game regarding okay. Drag Race contestants. Are we going to, like, pre-select the three? No, it's just going to be three off the top of your head. Like, any, any uh, from any franchise, any uh, place mm. in the world, any any drag performer. But before you say yours, I think all you who Kai Kai should be imprisoned. Yes, Agreed. Kai Kyers for the death penalty. <laughs> She's just trying to. That is that your way of saying you want to sit in Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it wasn't obvious, obviously Kala is a Kai Kyer. Sure am. She's not a Kai guilty. Kai, she's not a Kai Kyer denier. She's a Kai Kyer believer. That's I'm a right. Kai Kyer denier. That's right. And you know what's funny? Even though you're a denier, my cute little Kai Kai story earlier had you watering up. It was romantic. You it really that was. was very it touching. It really was actually really Shit. touching. That was well, because so it had to do with your trans identity, okay? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, for, I mean, not to get into the whole Kai Kai, but one of the nice things about a Kai Kai is that your partner, even if they are not trans, kind of gets it. Do you listeners know what a Kai Kai is? I hope so. And if not, I'm going to let them go look it up. And not, <laughs> I'm not going to expose us like uh, that. Spell out... K-A-I, K-A-I, if you want to look up kai kai on Google. Oh, what would be so fun is if there was like a 60-year-old Republican man listening to this for some reason, and they were like, no, I really do want to know what that is. So wait, instead of Fuck, Mary Kill, should the game be called Kai Kai, Mary Kill? Yeah. yeah. Kai Kai, Mary Kill. Kai Kai, Mary Kill. Kala. Yes. Kai Kai, Mary Kill, RuPaul's Drag Race contestants. I got my Kai Kai, Kai Kai, I got my Kai Kai right off the bat. Immediate. Who? Daddy Pearl. Daddy Pearl. But honestly, I had a crush on Pearl even when Pearl was on the season. When Pearl was a twink Pearl. Yeah. Twink Sweet. Pearl, Daddy Pearl. I'll take Pearls in any Pearlification. Does Pearl have an OnlyFans? I think so, but I don't... I've never paid for an OnlyFans, ever. Really? Never. Oh, we should have discussed and I find that it, last episode. I find it morally apprehensible to go and look at celebrity nudes that they didn't intentionally post. Oh, yes, but that's not what OnlyFans is. Only I know, I know that. Like... I just know, also know there's like subreddits where people have like, they go and they just look. And I have Anyways. seen all of the Chris's. Girl. <laughs> okay, Mary? Mary. Does it have to be a Rue girl? Um, 
I thought that was the point of the game. Damn it. Okay. Well, sorry, bow and arrow. I was going to ask if it could be a local queen, but I guess no. not. Mary, who seems like a sweetheart? Who feels like they would be full of love and treat me kindly? Nobody I, Nobody from the RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. <laughs> that's for sure. I would marry... Oh, Giagun. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to have to defend that to yeah. me. <laughs> I would marry her because she's a heartless, rotten bitch. She's mean, but hilarious. Every day of my life would be so fun. But she'd read you every single day. Yeah, and I would probably become a better person due to her reads. She would be like, you fucking sack of shit. Get up. You've been playing Pokemon for six hours. <laughs> Honestly, she would be motivating. You need to eat a meal. She is somebody that I can see, like, pushing you to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, she would also T-girlify me to the next level. Oh, yeah. You're getting every injection, every yeah. surgery. I'm getting F cups. Yeah. With that, with <laughs> Gia as my wife. She's, like, I, huge. She... Um, has lots of parties in LA. That I, one time that I'm I actually, never invited to. So shout Gia out to Gia. Gun. One time I actually uh, met her backstage at Gloss because she performed with Bow and Arrow, and she was very kind to me. But she oiled up her whole body and wait, several, I was there too. Several people almost slipped on the oil. Yes, um, she and I did. Everywhere. I and did slip on the oil. The next day, we were both at the same boba shop together. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was very strange. Did she recognize you? She didn't. I was out of drag, though, so that's <laughs> fine. Um, and then kill sharing needles. You are, you are, you do transform when you do drag. You think so? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's nice. You call me a brick out of drag? I didn't say that. Or you call me a brick in drag? I didn't say that either. Okay, great. I go from slay to extra slay. Exactly. Um, kill now, who, who Sharon Needles. Well, that we don't need to explain Death that. Death to her. We don't need to explain that one. Also, just to amend my Mary, because I know Gia was a little bit silly, genuinely, probably Raja. They seem like a sweetie. Oh, and she could sew you so many costumes. And I just feel like she's so down to earth, very vibes. She's a total stoner. Yeah. She's at that phase in her life. Too. I like older people. She's at that phase in her life where I just feel like she has- Are like, you calling Are you calling her old? No, older than me, a bit older. And I just feel like, because I'm also an older person, girl, like the immaturity of some of the younger baby girls on RuPaul is like obviously pretty off-putting. So for me, somebody like Raja, who's like more spiritual, more vibes. You want to be lesbian grandmas. I want to be lesbian grandmas. That's what it is. Yeah. I want six cats, but not really, actually. Okay. Anyways, fuck Mary Kill for you. Um, I am fucking milk. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Huge nose. Which and we know that we we already. I literally said that. I hope that doesn't like give them a thing. We love your nose, milk. That's not what I meant. We well, love no, it. Bi- having a big <laughs> nose is very in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. For men. Good. 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 good, good. For men. Slash masculine presented people. I will say, you know what was not Slave Milk? What? That one time that they released a sex tape. Do you ever hear about that? No, but I, I want to watch it. You don't. Why? Because they paint the other guy. Oh. Yeah. And then fuck him? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Oh. Now I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. They And the worst part, the most offensive no, part of I the mean, video. I don't hate that. The most offensive part of the video is they retweeted it later and said, so sorry, audience, for the poop flex that are in in here. You didn't you didn't need to market that. You could have cut that out. As well, a matter of fact, you controlled the editing. That's the craziest part. Maybe I'm not fucking milk anymore. Anyways, now that I've talked you out of that catastrophe, <laughs> um, who are you marrying? <laughs> I'm going to marry Jackie Cox. Oh, cute. I think Jackie Cox is really cute. Aww. And I love I love nerds, so. Yeah. Um, a little less masculine than I would have anticipated for you. Yeah, but it's a marriage, you know. Yeah, that's true. Also, I think Jackie Cox can serve man down. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Out of, out of drag if she wants to. Very cute boy out yeah. of drag. Yeah, yeah, And I feel sure. like lately they've been hitting the gym. Oh. I'm just saying. 
Okay. I've been noticing some gains. Hey, Jackie. So, I mean, I love muscles, so. Yeah, you do. I wake up every morning and I read a bara. Yeah. You like so, big bara titties. I'm like, let me just grab those man titties. And then I am uh, killing Sherry Pie. Oh, slave. Do we even count her as a root girl? No. They didn't count her as yeah. one. Well, I mean, I actually have a horrific story about this. Oh, please so, share. I didn't share this early when I was talking about kind of like my beginnings of drag. Like, so kind of what happened when I was doing that is that um, my like, uh, my parents subletter, who's my friend, uh-huh. my, like basically my sister, would video me doing the street shows and then I would try to like come up with like funny TikTok like TikToks for them. Mm. And so then I would post those online and it was very niche. It was very like, um, the like first one that really ever went viral in a small way, small viral, not big viral was, um, was me doing a video of like helping a car park on the street in the middle of me performing a number. Oh, okay. And Um, I, and I themed it around like when you're trying to do your drag show, but, um, the tourists are visiting Boston and don't know how that you can't actually park in the neighborhoods if you want to just go to the Prudential Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, like, like I'm a Boston girly, even though I don't even living there for, like, two months. And then, like, every fall, a bunch of college students move to Boston because there's, like, a thousand universities in Boston. And they were started all calling me Sherry Pie. <gasps> no! They were all, like, they were all, like, I thought this was Sherry Pie. Is this not you, Sherry Pie? And I was, like... How could they? And that was the day that I went home. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you are changing everything about you. The way you do your makeup. (laughs) (laughs) So that was our uh, Fuck, Marry, Kill game. Listeners, please let us know who are you fucking, marrying, killing. And I hope that you are fucking me, marrying Kala and... um, Killing the patriarchy. Yes, that. That's a great Down with the patriarchy. Yeah. Killing Joe Rogan. I probably shouldn't say that. Fear factor. (laughs) Um, okay, Betty, let's get into this next part of our convo, because I, what I want to know, we talked a little bit about you having had a desire at one point to be a musical theater actress, and now you're on this new journey with drag, and how I kind of came to LA to be an actress in film and didn't even try, and now I'm on a different journey with drag. So I'd like to know, like, what is that journey for you right now? What are you hoping to accomplish with drag? Mm-hmm. Why do you keep doing it? Yeah, um, I really, I mean... It really shifts constantly for me and, like, what I want my drag to be doing. Mm. Um, I'm really enjoying, obviously, doing this podcast with you, Kala, and us getting to express our um, transness and our drag artistry on this. So that's really fun. And I bet I really would love it to be kind of a added skill set to my, like, acting as a job primarily. Um, prior to the SAG-AFTRA strike, I was making my income pretty much solely from acting and doing drag as a way to kind of feed that little bit of, uh, like, I want to be a little bit of content creator, a little bit of a, um, musical theater performer still, like that little bit of like stage craft, that bug that was still in me. And it was helping like fulfill that in a way that acting for a film and TV doesn't necessarily do the same. Mm -hmm. But now I'm kind of, like, maybe wanting to veer into, like, being an actor who does drag. Oh, okay. Or, like, an actor slash drag queen. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, um, especially as um, Rue, like, adjacent girls or um, drag performers who get on 
television for drag or for a reality uh, drag competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, do, like, get some success in acting, like, get cast in things. Shout out to uh, Shea Coulee. I think she got cast in something Yeah, yeah, cool. something MCU, I think. Oh, that, yes. But I don't want to be, like, the drag queen cast as a drag queen in something. I want to be an actor who can bring drag as a skill set to my performances. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like... I've already kind of done that before. Like I've had to like lip sync to a song like on camera, which is really fun. Um, So yeah, things like that. I think that's where I really want kind of like my drag journey to be heading. Mm. And I really want, I kind of want to take a note from you and have drag feel a bit more about creative expression for me, as opposed to doing it like for the gig, for the job, for that. And at the same time, though, it's like anytime I do drag, I I would love if I got paid to do it. Yeah. Because it's a lot of work. Even just getting up here to sit and talk into a microphone, like, it's a lot of work to get into drag. Yeah. And it's a big investment. I bet I really... It's expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. And so I don't want it to be a hobby. I want it to be part of, like, my professional skill set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have a lot of overlap. I'm sure a lot of drag artists do. And I know a lot of our drag friends listen to this, so maybe... Even you guys will... Yeah, chime in, let us know. Yeah, maybe you'll relate with how we're feeling. But for me, I am at a phase of my drag career where, like, I get booked infrequently, but enough to make me happy. Like like you were saying, the stage bug gets itched by those events. Um, I really do drag mostly because I love costumes, I love makeup, I love doing my hair. Um, I love the idea of putting together a visual look and then photographing or videoing it. And I want to do that more. Mm -hmm. Drag is just very, very expensive. Yeah. You know, the wigs are expensive. The the costumes are expensive. Investing in the makeup is expensive. I'm lucky enough to co-own a studio where we can make a podcast and I can take photos. But even those things over the three years I've been doing drag cost us a lot of money to get to. And the reason I invested all that money in the studio with my partner was that ultimately I moved to LA and my true like dream calling in life has always been the film industry. I wanted to be a film actor when I was younger. I really, I wanted to be a filmmaker. I just wanted to have in a dream version of my life, friends who also loved film, who wanted to make films, whether you were in front or behind the camera. And now that I'm older and I understand the intricacies of like the business side, I understand that you kind of do have to fulfill a role. And so I'm really interested in being a drag writer and director filmmaker. Um, There's already so few trans filmmakers Mm. that to be able to accomplish the deed of being a trans person who wrote and direct an artistic thing, shout out to the Wachowskis who are like huge inspirations to me. The Matrix is culturally iconic, right? Like people who are not trans love the Matrix. Yeah. I want to make something like that someday. Mm-hmm. And like you, I want my drag and my love of things like aesthetic expression to influence my filmmaking. But for some people like who want to go on, on route, for example, who want to go on RuPaul's Drag Race or who perform a brunch every single week, month in, month out, mm-hmm. those queens are like queens, you know, like they want that for their career. And that's really not for me. Um, and that's okay. I think I have like a really fun spot in the L.A community i'm accepted i get in places people know my name i get to be creative and expressive in a different way and it makes me really happy i love seeing hearing you talk good about yourself oh thank you the other thing that i do love doing in drag and i do it now and if you're in la you should definitely check it out sometimes is i have a monthly costume party yes that is 
totally trans-centered. So most of the audience is trans, the vendors are trans, I'm trans, all the hosts are trans, the door person's trans, and basically- Everyone's trans. Everybody's trans. <laughs> and uh, basically everybody comes in a really fun costume. It's always oh. themed. Except um, me. <laughs> except you. Uh, and we're probably, fingers crossed, hopefully by the time this video comes out, moving it into an official venue because yes. it's currently indie produced at our studio. Yes, you're going to want to uh, follow Kala Faria everywhere and follow the name of the party everywhere on Faria Lands yes. on Instagram. Yeah, to find out exactly where the venue is. And sort of like a dream for that, dream drag kind of thing there is that it becomes a big enough and stable enough event that I can continue to network with really powerful trans and drag allies in the entertainment industry and maybe even someday become some sort of like warehouse or art style party where I can even showcase uh, queer short films for mm -hmm. example before like a rave starts or something like that yeah. so yeah I've been having fun growing it over the past two years alongside my career and Honestly, part of the reason we started this podcast yeah. is because we thought it would be a great way to platform ourselves as writers, actors, wannabe filmmakers. Exactly. And I really love what you were saying about how um, you really love that, like, Faria Land and, like, your costume party, like, centers, like, trans people. And mm -hmm. I really find that aspect of um, drag, like, not, strangely not, like, talked about enough within the um, broader kind of, like, LGBTQ community at large. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to, like, keep throwing shade at Drag Race because I do think it is a phenomenal feat mm -hmm. that uh, it has as much cultural relevance and popularity as it does. And at the same time, I think it it's only recently been trying to, like, show how trans, like, the drag community really is because it is really really trans and yeah. i think it always has been i agree and i don't want to throw any more shade than is necessary but in my lived experience in the drag scene for the past few years trans people do drag excellently yes sometimes elevated to a point that's well beyond their cisgendered peers and they still don't get the amount of accolades and payment that they deserve comparatively mm -hmm. especially i mean this is beating a dead horse cisgender straight acting attractive guys who do drag get way more opportunities yeah. and benefits even just having this little trans indie show and trying to get it to a bar has been hard years, because it doesn't years cater long to process. it doesn't cater to and center gay men yeah so it is what it is but yeah, yeah. but that's um like story of community is what has been inspiring my uh script writing lately mm -hmm. so like that and kind of like my own communal experiences in Boston prior to moving here. Like all of like the greatest performers in Boston that I know are trans or gender non-conforming people. And it's really like I want to try and start bringing those types of stories to mm -hmm. the forefront and those types of stories into hopefully some type of filmmaking uh, or content creating endeavor. Yeah. You know what I hope for us, Betty? Yeah. I hope that a year from now, when we're still doing this podcast, that you have launched your show, you're a celebrated actress with a paycheck, <laughs> and that uh, one of my scripts has made its way into the hands of some trans folks, maybe who even watch, who help make and it that something. Instead of recording this podcast in this studio here, we're recording a podcast in a studio in the Hollywood Hills, baby. Amen. Getting a paycheck. Because we're rich. <laughs> before we sign off here, before we do a cute little outro, I have one last little game I want to do with you. Oh, yeah. It's Tell me. quick. It's all of a sudden. What is one thing in drag that should be out, crunchy, done? We've done it. We've had it. And what's one thing you don't see enough? Flat hair. Bitch. Goodbye. Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding.
Well, sort of. I think <laughs> I'm a little sick of flat hair at the moment. I'm a little sick of flat hair at the moment. All, every girl is in their flat hair era every right now. Every girl in Los Angeles has flat human hair. And I'm like, where's the teasing? Where's the artistry? I left it in elementary school. For... Uh, another thing in drag that um, needs to be chopped is whatever Calafria is about to say right now. Oh, slay. Okay, um, I have two things that we have to be done with. Um, number one, doing a cannibal mix by Kesha for Halloween. We're done with it. I never want to see it again. It has to be retired. The second one, uh, gluing your eyebrows. Yes, I know. Controversial? Shave them. Shave them off. Take them off, bitch. And I don't mean that for the newbies, okay? I don't mean don't teach yourself how to do it. I don't mean that it's not a valuable practice to understand for makeup. If this is your job and you're take doing this multiple times, take them off. Yeah. It looks so much better. Yeah, back when I used to be doing like like four or five shows a month, like a show, uh, one to two shows a week, I was like, what? I can't go and with they these. have really nice tattoo eyebrows that look so realistic that people can I'm wearing them right thick. now. So there are options. And I'm not saying you have to keep them off the whole, all, forever, but if you're doing drag six times a fucking week, like shave them off. There's a myth that like once you shave off your eyebrows, they'll like never grow back. I'm lies. Like, I'm like literally they grow back at the same rate of like every other facial hair. Yeah, Liza Minnelli. I'm like, I'm so confused by that, that notion. Oh, I have one more thing in drag oh, okay. that needs to be cut. Okay. You, you said one thing was the game, but we both are coming up with multiple. That's we fine. just, we're haters. Yeah. We're haters. L let me be hateful really quick. Oh, or, or one of my favorites. Can I be mean for a second? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we're, we're getting rid of talking girls. Do you, oh. you were, I think we were talking about this a little earlier. Yeah. What drag queen is actually talking? With okay. Tape. Everybody that I know uses, a, of course, a little talking panty, right? Or, or two, even, if you've got a hog down there. I don't know. But I do not know literally a single person in my friend group in the local sphere who uses tape to tuck that down there. Trinity, you have created a mind virus for um, the straights. And because then, they all think that we are out here yeah. gaff tape and duct tape in our, our hoo-hahs. And honestly, it can be kind of like weird and inappropriate too. Because like if you look up anything to do with drag online, you know, like what is a drag queen? A bunch of the suggested stuff is like, where does it go? How do they tape it? Video of drag queen tucking. Like, give it up, you guys. We're not yeah. even doing that. And like, if you're a tea girly who's tucking for your euphoria, I live. Yeah. I laugh and I love. Yeah, slay. But like, drag, most, most, nine times out of ten, if you're, if you're performing drag, you don't want to do Baby, you're, you're sweating it off. Yeah. You're sweating it right off. Like, I know, and this is the thing, like, I'm thinking of like, the girls who would tuck are also the girls who are doing full on like pussy pops to the ground. And I'm like, I'm like, it's popping. Like, your tuck is going to pop. Yeah. And I, I feel like with the gaff, the tights, the padding. You're fine. She's hidden. She's put away. Yeah. Um, okay. Except to our large hog blessed drag performers out there. That is true. If, you're, sho if you. you're showing through two pairs of talking panties, three pairs of tights, and a pair of pads, again, Betty is single. I am single, and I might be willing to kai kai. Um, and I'll put myself in jail. Okay, but one thing that I feel like we're not seeing enough in drag, well, mm -hmm. trans people in drag. There's Period. a lot of them. Give them their accolades. Put them on stage. But the other thing that I feel trans like we're men, not... specifically. Trans men, yeah. And drag kings. Yeah. Get them on stage. Um, the other thing that I feel like I'm not seeing enough of in drag, and I feel like maybe this is stealing from you a little bit, but it's just like um, over-deliverance of costume. Big hair. 
Big costumes. Where's the costumes? Big padding. You know, especially here in LA, I get it. Some of the girls in LA are cunty and thin. I still want to see you with big gargantuan honkers. I'm just like, I'm like, you're just wearing a bikini. Sometimes I want you in gigantic booty or huge hair. You know, if I- Uh, By the way, I am a drag gatekeeper. There are some things that people do that I'm like, that's not drag. Yeah, honestly, I'm bordering on tea girl right now. Well. Right. No padding, no corset, (laughs) flat hair, (laughs) short nails. Okay, and yeah, maybe gatekeeping is not the best, but like- (laughs) No, there there are people that I see and I am like, you, you at least bare minimum have to like be wearing makeup. You have to transform. At least to drag is about transformation. Yes. So if if you look identical to the way you look out of drag, you're just in a shitty costume. Yeah. Hello? Throwing on a wig and heels is not drag. This is going back into the hater, and we were supposed to be saying what we really love. So what oh, I do sorry. Love, what I do love and what I want to see more of is just a full ensemble. Big. Big pa- pageant. I want pageant in LA. Yeah. If you're a pageant girly in LA, hit us up because I want to know where the pageants are happening. Uh, and I want to learn from you. Yeah, I love pageantry. I'm tired of skimpy little hutch to chas. Okay, <laughs> Betty, what is one thing you want to see more like of? Mora? In drag? Like Mora? Um, like something that I love that I want to keep mm. seeing? Ballads. I actually really want to see more ballads at drag. <gasps> yes! Oh my but god. I'm going to be specific. Ballads with a twist. Okay, one time I had a hit tweet about starting a ballad show in Los Angeles where it was going to be like a fake brunch competition. It wasn't mm-hmm. really a competition, but the girls pretend they're like vibing for a ballads crown. Yeah, it, it's like it's eleven o'clock numbers, but it's eleven a.m. o'clock numbers. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And you know, I never ended up doing that show, even though that tweet went viral. And then recently, somebody did that show. Oh, they stole it. They stole the idea. Hmm. Yeah, I will not be calling them out, but if you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> More ballads in drag instead of battle babies, ballad babies. Yeah. Actually, I think the, the name I came up with was Battle of the Ballads. I love. Come I on. love a good ballad. Come on. No, because I, and this is like my, my acting roots showing, is mm-hmm. like, I love somebody who can give me face. Yeah. Give me um, a character. Yeah. And give me like emotion. Yeah. I see a lot of fish-eyed queens out there. So something that I really want to see more of because I love seeing it when people do this really well is like when they can really emote a song. Okay, I have to add on to that. Okay, because I love dancing girls. I love ballet girls. I love the combination of both of these things. One thing, one more thing I do not like in drag, quit snatching the tips. Slow down and stop snatching the tips. If you, if it, if you are aggressive, hold this, hold my weed. If this is how you take a dollar out of somebody's hand, it was too much. You want to be, you want to give them a little something. You want to, you want to look them in the eye. You want to take the dollar delicately and thank them for their time today. Quit snatching the tips. Okay, and I think that's all the reads that we have today for the drag community. So Kala, I think this has been a very fruitful discussion about the beginning of our drag journeys, how um, the internet kind of played a big role in that for both of us as we were both pandemic babies and yeah. pandemic queens or bedroom queens bedroom queenery yeah i think it was a beautiful conversation and i would say if you're a listener and you like this podcast please keep listening please keep supporting um betty and i both have big dreams for our drag careers and for our artistic careers and if you're a trans person out there if you're somebody who's always wanted to start drag i hope that you watch us and see something in us that makes you want to do this too 
And then lastly, I just want to say, book more drag kings. Book more drag kings. Book more drag kings. And pay everybody. And pay everybody. I know you have the money, you bar. And if you would like to see more drag content from Betty and I, let us know. Yes, please. Tell us in the comments what you would like to hear more of about mm -hmm. drag from us. Yes, and we can talk more about our influences, more about um, what we love to perform, because honestly, the internet really informs all of my performances yeah. these days, so. Well, thank you for watching another episode of Tea Girl Eat Girls. Join us next week. Bye! <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving! It's late.